So speaking of God's kindness, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my family. Um, my wife, uh, her name is Marty. It's not actually her name. Her name is Deborah. But she got the nickname Marty um, because when she was born, she was the third of four girls. And her father wanted a boy somewhere. And the closest he got was being able to call one of them by a boyish sounding name. So he called her Marty. And I call her Martha which is really definitely not her name, <laughs> but you know, it works. Uh, and I actually have given her a new nickname lately. So do you all remember Mr. Magoo? Yes. The cartoon Mr. Magoo? So um, when, when I'm in the car with my wife and she's driving, it always feels like we're having a Mr. Magoo moment. And so I said she's got kind of like this Mr. Magoo way of driving. It just happens to not get in any accident. She never gets in that. I never know what's happening behind us. And we now live in a house in Sulphur, Louisiana, and we have um, two puppies. And the puppies are named Louie and Rex, but I have misnamed them. They should be named Cain and Cain. (laughs) They are evil. (laughs) Puppies are the devil. Uh, I love the dogs they're going to become, but I do not love the puppies that they are. But anyway, I, I digress. Uh, uh, Marty, Martha, uh, Mrs. Magoo, where's uh, wellies, right? Uh, anybody know what wellies are? Yeah, that's what the British call uh, the rain boots. Galoshes, right? right? Uh, and so I started calling her Bootsy because she kind of looks cute when she's out nudging around in her boots, chasing puppies, right? Uh, and so she is Bootsy Magoo. Right? Um, and then I have uh, five children. Uh, my oldest daughter, our oldest daughter, Sarah, is a nurse. She still lives in Pensacola. She's doing just great with her life. Our second daughter is Emily. She's here. Hey, Emily. Um, I told this story last year, and I'm going to tell the same story again, um, because it is the best story about Emily. When Emily was about three or four, four maybe, um, her older sister was eight, seven or eight, and uh, she came out one day and she said, Mom, I cannot find any underwear. All my underwear are gone. They're just, they're just nowhere. And, you know, we're trying to solve this little Scooby mystery. And we look over, and Emily is just kind of... <laughs> systematically, one at a time, Emily would remove a pair of Sarah's underwear and hide them. And so the inventory was getting smaller and smaller and smaller, so it finally got down to nothing. And I thought, that's my kid. <laughs> she was playing the long joke and she was so patient at four years old to wait for the laugh and the payoff was so worth it she was just having a time of her life so that's Emily so you now know everything you need to know about Emily almost there's, there's, there's more I'll get to that in a minute um, and then our son Sam Sam is hilarious um, I will tell you my favorite Sam story. It's around today is Epiphany, so we're over the Christmas season. But when Sam was, um, I, don't, I don't remember, maybe five or six or something like that, um, he went to our youngest daughter Claire, who was very little, and he said, "Hey Claire, 
do you want to play Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? You can be Rudolph. And she was like, well, yeah. And he says, okay, I'm going to laugh at you and call you names. (laughs) And she says, well, I don't want to play. And he says, oh, no, I'm not going to let you play. (laughs) See what he did there? That's my son. (laughs) Great joke. And then there's Abigail. Abby's right there. This is my favorite Abigail story. So two things. Two things I'm going to say. One is very serious. Two things. I'll say say two serious things about Abigail. And then I'll say a very unserious thing. So Abigail, more than any of our kids, will ask us to pray with her. Daddy, will you pray with me? It's my favorite thing that Abby's ever said. Give me a minute. (laughs) The second thing is she's the, she's the sweetest of all the Haddings. If there is a sweet Hatting, it's Abigail. Now for the real fun part. One day, Abby was about four, and she came uh, out of her bedroom wearing every pink thing she could find. She had pink tights, a pink tutu, a pink shirt, a pink tiara, and they were all different pinks, and they're, they're not working together, right? This is not a great outfit. It's like 18 different things of, of pink. And she said, Daddy, what do you think of my outfit? And as a dad, you have to be careful what you say to little girls because they have feelings. And say, little boys don't have feelings. Little girls, they have the feelings. And I said, well, honey, that's a lot of pink. Thank you. <laughs> That's my favorite Abigail story. And then my favorite Claire story. Uh, Claire, as the the youngest, is um, headstrong. Uh, She thinks that the rest of us got here just to get everything prepared for her so we can make way for her. And um, one day we were, we had a pool where we used to live and so I was going to go to the pool store and um, uh, I said, Abby, or Claire, I'm going to go to the pool store. Do you want to you go with me? And she said, yeah, sure, just a minute. And so she departed, and then she came back, and she had a purse with her. And I was like, the pool store is like half a mile away or a mile away. I said, what do you need a purse for? Well, because we're going somewhere. I said, you don't need a purse. Put the, put the purse away. We're just going to go to the pool store. Come on, man up, right? You don't need a purse. And so um, we're driving to the pool store, and I look over at her, and she's got lip stuff on, right? Her lips are shiny and off-colored. It's not a natural color, you know, that she's got on her lips. And I look over at her, and I said, Claire, what is, what's on your lips? Oh, it's just a little, little lip gloss, Daddy. It's just a little lip gloss. It's chapstick. It's just chap, basically chapstick. <laughs> and, I, and I said... I, I don't want you wearing that. You're way too young to be wearing that kind of... No, no, just take, take it off. And so she starts looking around. I says, what are you looking for? She says, well, I'm looking for a napkin or something to, you know, to wipe this off. And I said, well, I don't think I have anything in my truck. She goes, huh, I have one in my purse. <laughs> <laughs> this is my life. <laughs> this is my life. All right. Uh, so there was another thing about Emily. Last year at Gloria Sancta, um, I noticed that there was this draft that Emily had 
a draft named Hayes. <laughs> uh, Emily would go by, and then there was just kind of like this <laughs> boy. Uh, um, yes. And so they're, they're engaged to be married. So they're going to be getting married in March. And um, this, this event is Emily's last chance to find a better option. <laughs> so I'm looking at you boys. <laughs> I actually like Hayes. I like Hayes a lot. Hayes is, is, is a man of honor. So I'm going to tell you something personal about me. There are three things that I hate in this world. Three things that I hate. Um, I, I hate moving. I don't like packing and loading all Oh, no, I just hate it so much. <laughs> I hate buying a car because I never feel like I'm getting a good deal, right? Someone could give me a car, a year's worth of gas, pay the insurance, and I, I got rid of it I did not get a good deal on that car. <laughs> so I just hate it. And throwing up. I hate throwing up. I'm the kind of guy who will be nauseated for six months and not throw up. I'm, you know, even though I know throwing up would uh-huh. make me feel better... I'm, I'm not gonna, I would just rather be nauseated. Well, Hayes and I had this conversation, and he said, oh, yeah, me too. That's me. And I said, I haven't thrown up in a long time. He said, I haven't thrown up in a long time either. And so a bet ensued. <laughs> I said, uh, I bet I can go longer without throwing up than you can. <laughs> and he said, game on. <laughs> and so we bet a dollar. <laughs> we bet a dollar. A couple weeks ago, Hayes was down at the house, and he handed me a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Two things. He honored his bet, and I win. <laughs> <laughs> All right. got to get serious, don't we? I've already squandered half my time, but it's been fun. You know, the, one, one other thing, though. <laughs> do, y'all, do y'all think that Pastor Jeffrey and I could be related? Do we look enough alike that we could be We're related? We're American. <laughs> It's true. He just looks like the British person. You just look like cowboyish. <laughs> <laughs> That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said. I want to be a cowboy. Do y'all know Henry Duke? Who knows Henry Duke? Do you know Henry Duke? Henry Douglas. I'm sorry, Henry Douglas. It's Henry Douglas. Henry Duke Douglas. Well, I call Henry Hank. <laughs> and at the first Gloria that I was at, um, uh, uh, I, I, I had gotten a pair of cowboy boots, and we were having a conversation, and I mentioned my cowboy boots. And Hank said this to me. Uh, this is when I was first learning how to be a cowboy. Uh, <laughs> Hank said to me, she said, uh, and, and uh, Grace Douglas was with her. They both approached me. And it was like uh, they were doing an intervention. And uh, Hank said, uh, Pastor Hattie, um, we're in Texas. We don't call them cowboy boots. We just call them boots. <laughs> anyway. All right, moving on. I'm going to read something to you. Actually, I'm going to read a lot of scripture to you as we go through this. And um, we've had a little bit of fun, but now I'm going to rough you up just a little bit. Okay? You ready? All right, here we go. I'm going to read um, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. And... The, the title of, so the theme of this is um, preparing for your future, right? That's, that's what we're going to be talking about. And the title of my talk on the schedule, I don't know if you noticed this, is Seek Ye Fist. That's what it's, Seek Ye Fist. 
So uh, apparently, Gloria has become Fight Club. <laughs> but essentially, seek ye first. And it comes from this passage of Scripture. So here, hear the word of the Lord. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or uh, he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, or God and mammon, God and possessions, God and stuff. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What will we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Alright, so I want to start, I wanna, uh, I've got some chunks of things that I want to talk about that are going to lead us to a point, and it's going to take me a little bit to get to my point, so just hang, hang with me. All right? the, first, the first thing that we need to uh, ask, the first question, the first, uh, the first thing to contemplate is not who are we, but who is God? Who is God? Uh, God is the one who created all things. There is not anything in the world that God did not create. He creates, he sustains, and he does so with a purpose. We know about God when we talk about his various attributes. And some of his attributes are, are so different from us that we talk, talk about them in negative terms. We describe God negatively. He is immutable, which means he cannot change. He is not finite. He is infinite. Right? So these are things that we know about God. And then there are ways that we can know things that we can know about God because we, we have some kind of uh, connection to those things. They're uh, communicable. Right? God shares them with us. Uh, love. Things like that. So what we know about God is that he is perfect. He is holy. He is infinite. He is beyond our ability to even grasp. We can't contemplate the fullness of God. Now, he, he reveals himself to us in ways 
but we still can't really get our minds around who God is. But what we do know about God is that He is perfect and lacking in nothing. There is nothing that you can imagine that is higher than God. The, the, the highest thing that you can imagine, uh, God is higher than that. He is more perfect. He is more beautiful. He is more splendid. He is more everything. And He has made Himself known fully to us in His Son. When people behold Jesus, when people behold the Son, they are beholding God. They are seeing God. He has made Himself known in the Son. And so, that's our first thing. We have to get settled in our mind that God is not Grandpa in the sky. He's not Space Ghost. He's not uh, just, just some cosmic force. He is a person, three in one, one in three, beyond our ability to grasp. The next question is, who are you? Who are you? Or, why are you here? What are you made for? What is your purpose? We, none of us is, is going to deny that they exist, unless you're playing some sort of philosophical game. Uh, we, we all know that we exist. The question is, how did we get here, and why are we here? Well, the answer is found in the early pages of Scripture, where we learn that God made us, which is how we got here. God made man, and he made us with a purpose. He made us to be like him. He made us to image him forth in the world. We are the only beings, the only things that were created, that are created to be like him. We image him forth in the world. The reason that we exist is to be like him in the world. Now we know that we're broken. We know that in the fall, all of that got really messed up. Every part of us was touched by corruption, right? Our affections became corrupt. Our appetites became corrupt. Our thinking became futile. The things that we find important are the wrong things, or we want the right things wrongly. Because every part of us, every aspect of our being, has been touched by the corruption of the fall. But Jesus came, God sent forth his Son into the world to fix the brokenness. He was broken for our brokenness. And as a result of the work that Christ did and who he was and what he achieved in the world, we now are different. We who believe, we who are in covenant with God, we who are Christians, we are different. And I'm going to tell you some things about yourself from Scripture. Right now, my kids are going... Oh, he's going to do Ephesians 1 again. I just know he's going to do Ephesians 1 again. He does this all the time. They're right. <laughs> In Ephesians 1. Listen, listen to what Paul does here. He piles up these, uh, uh, these uh, 
these ideas, these blessings that are ours in Christ. So we are we're, we're something other than the broken thing now. Something something has happened in us in Christ. Listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, that, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will. God has made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him, things in heaven, and things on earth. But wait, there's more. In Him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of of His glory. So we who were broken, we who were tainted with the effects of sin, the corruption in every aspect of our being, we now have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have received, we've been, we've been given an inheritance. And what is the inheritance? Everything that God is, He is giving to us. Earlier when we were talking about prayer, God loves to give us things. And what is the best thing that God could give us? Is it money? Is it good looks? I know you're looking at me and you're thinking, well, that's pretty, you know. (laughs) Sorry. That was a bit gratuitous, wasn't it? Uh, (laughs) You know what I really like is when he says prayer. Prayer? There's like four syllables and long. Or he said four the other night. That's great. But but he says composite. Is this composite? It's composite. Everybody knows it's composite. It's composite. It's not composite. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm going to pay for this later because he's going to, you know. So what? What? What is the best thing that God could give us? It's Him. The best thing that God could give to us is Himself, who is the infinite, the holy, the perfect, the pure, the most splendid. And that's what He has given to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It's important that you understand that. You are not spiritual paupers who are penniless, spiritually speaking. You have the wealth of heaven that has been given to you. That's the second thing. Here's the third thing. The central preoccupation of every human soul 
is the quest for joy. We all want to be happy. We all want to be satisfied. The reason that we do almost everything that we do is because we're trying to satisfy some hunger. We were, Alexander Schmenen said, we are born hungry. And we cannot, we are not and cannot be self-satisfied. And so we go outside looking for satisfaction. We can't, uh, we can't eat our own arm. We have to go outside for food to satisfy that appetite. We can't generate our own water. We have to go outside of us for water. To satisfy the deep longings of the soul, we have to have something outside of us. We are all looking for joy. And what gets us in trouble is that we go looking for joy in all the wrong places. Because of that that remnant of sin that remains in us, because we still have propensities that that incline us away from the the, the gifts that we have, what, what God has given us, we look for joy badly. I'm going to read you um, the account, part of the account of the prodigal son in chapter um, 15 of Luke. This is Jesus talking. Oh, there my ring cut. It's not a bad Don't remember Kramer? Yes. From Seinfeld? That's what I feel like right now. Alright. Alright, so listen, listen to this. That's hate. Okay. And Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his prosperity, or his property, in reckless living. So he said, Dad, give me my part of the inheritance. I'm out. And so he took his inheritance and he left, and he squandered it in reckless living. Uh, wine, women, song, right? everything that he wanted, he went out and he blew his money on it. Had a great time, and then the, the sun came up. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, country, uh, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. That's not a job, a Jewish boy. Wants. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Now, in the story of the prodigal, this son does not come off looking too good, does he? He's not the hero of the story. Clearly, the father is the hero of the story. But what was the prodigal doing? What was he after? He was trying to find satisfaction. And so we need to cut the prodigal a break because he was us. We go trying to satisfy the itch or the longing or the 
or, or whatever it is, in all of these places, and when it breaks bad, as it always will, we're just like Him. The central preoccupation of every human soul is the quest for joy. So here's the question. You have those three things. Who is God? Who are you? And what are you after? The question is, what will satisfy you? What will satisfy you? A job? That, that, that great job, that great career that you've been thinking about since you were wearing a little pink tutu with all this stuff? A truck? Come on, boys. I've got me a truck and it's got a 927, 345, and I got all that thing and cut the pipes, it's wild. <laughs> I'm awesome and I kill things. <laughs> is it, is it um, uh, being liked? Is it having friends? Is it having a house in the suburbs? Is it fill in the blank? Is that what's going to satisfy you? Is that where you were going to look? Are, are you going to look for look to, to food and drink and clothing to be the things that satisfy you? Jesus said, "Don't be anxious about any of that. Don't worry about that. That's not." That's not where you need to be concerning yourself. Now, he's not saying that you don't need food. He's not saying that you don't need drink or clothing. He's not saying that. He's saying that, that God's going to provide those things for you. The birds, they don't have jobs. But God feeds them. He knows that they need food, and so he, he provides for them. He knows you need clothing. Look at the lilies of the field. Those flowers are, are more beautiful than Solomon ever was. He knows that you need to be adorned. Don't be anxious about those things. Rather, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all those other things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of those things will be added to you. So, Three things, three phrases there that I want to spend just a little bit of time in. The first one is seek first. The first thing, seek ye first. The first thing, your first priority. What does it mean to, to, to seek first? It means that you're going after that thing. You're pursuing that thing which is supreme in its ability to satisfy. This is the first thing. If I get the first thing, then all the other things are going to uh, are, are going to come. So in Matthew chapter 13, in the New Testament, hang on a second. Y'all didn't laugh at that. I really wish you laughed at that. Thank you. If you weren't here when I did that before, that was my diabolical laugh. Um, and it was aimed at Aaron Capone when he was coming in. A surprise for Aaron. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven 
is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. And then, in his joy, in his joy, in his satisfaction, he goes and he sells all that he has and buys that field. He got rid of everything else in order to have that, that treasure, that, that thing. He buys the field so that he can have the treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. His first priority, the first thing, the top priority, the top thing is he has to have that treasure. That is how you must pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It is supreme. It is above all other pursuits. Nothing else will match it. Nothing else will satisfy. Once you know that's out there, nothing else will do. First, I have to have that. And what we're seeking is the kingdom of God. We're not seeking the city of man. We're not staking this place as our ultimate home. Our popularity here, our possessions here, our wealth here, our status here, our stature here. This is not the kingdom where I need to invest. I need to invest in the kingdom of God. That is, the, is what I must be seeking first. And it is seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And when we seek and find these things, all the rest of that other stuff is going to take care of itself. Now, uh, later, uh, Pastor Jeffrey is going to talk in very practical terms about how you ought to... Um, uh, uh, Pursue money as a, as a genuine positive gift. And I don't pull on that spoiler in your talk. But you listen to everything that he says because what he's telling you is absolutely true. But that must be uh, subjected. It must be uh, second to seeking the kingdom of God and must serve that purpose. So seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Here's the question. What does it mean to seek the, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How do we seek the righteousness of God? What is the righteousness of God? Is it obeying the rules so that we're all shiny? So that when the, the time comes, when the trump sounds, and uh, when we die and are resurrected and all that, 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 we're, that we're righteous, that we're good enough? It's not. That's not it. It's not any, uh, any, any moral perfection that you can attain on your, on your own. It is, as we sang from Psalm 119, loving the law of God. Loving His way. We, we need to think about the law, not as a bunch of rules, but as God's way of saying, you have to be like this because when you're like this, you're being like me. Remember, God is the creator of all things and He is perfect and He is holy and He is infinite and all the rest. And He is saying to us, be like me. 
I am holy, so you be holy. And it's not about keeping rules. He is telling us in his law, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like to be like me. Listen to Psalm 1. I know you all know this by heart, but I'm going to read it anyway. Blessed, happy, satisfied, joyful is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight, his joy is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Think about this. It doesn't say on a list of rules. Here are the, here's the list of rules. Here's this thick book of statutes and rules and laws, and I'm going to just love it like a lawyer loves the law. That's not what he's saying. The law of God is God saying, this is how I am. This is, this is how you are to be like me, because in being like me, you are fulfilling what it is to be a human being the way you're supposed to be a human being, which is to be like me. And in our minds, the math, the math should lead to, uh, oh, I, I want to be like God. Which is not to say I want to be God. But He is holy. He is infinite. He is, he is perfect. He's pure. He's, he's all of these things. I want to be like that. This is what Pastor Jeffrey was talking about last night. We should, we should be aspiring to, to, to be this thing. This, 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 uh, this God-imager forther. Because that will satisfy us. That, that is where true satisfaction is. He's like a tree planted by the streams of water. That's a great image. That yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. That's what we want to be, isn't it? The wicked are not so. The one who tries to satisfaction by squandering his inheritance on wine, women, and song is not so. They're like the chaff which the wind drives away. I roast coffee. I roast coffee. I roast coffee. And I did not understand the principle of chaff until I started roasting coffee. Because there's just like this... this um, thin layer of husk around each coffee bean, and you roast it, it falls off, and it makes a mess. It just, there's, this, there's coffee chaff all over the place, and it's a mess. But the great thing about it is, you can just blow it away, and, it, and, it, and it's gone. It just goes outside, and it just, it just disappears. That's the way of the wicked. The way of the wicked is just blown away, it ends up being nothing. It's weightless. It's matterless. It doesn't, it doesn't account for anything in the world. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. The wicked will not stand when God assesses things. And sinners will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. Because the Lord knows the way of the righteous. That's His way. That's the way he knows. That's the way he knows it ought to be. He knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. To love the law is to love God's way. 
It is to, to see the perfection of God. To see the perfection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to say, that is what I want to be. That's what it means to be a human being. That's what we were created to be. It's not a list of, the law is not a list of God's pet peeves. That if you violate one, you're in big trouble. I've told you a thousand times. That's not the law. The law is, don't have any other gods besides me. Because if you have any other gods besides me, you're worshiping less than the best. You're, you're taking for yourself the least perfect when you can have the most perfect. And here's the payoff of all of this. Being what we were created to be means that we are being like God, which means that we are being fully human. Anything less than that is being subhuman. And we know what this looks like. We know what it looks like. In Jesus, we have seen the Father. We have seen God when we have seen Jesus. And Jesus came into the world not just to go to the cross. It wasn't just, okay, somebody's got to die for all this. Might as well be my son. So I send him and there he goes to the cross and he's dying. And then we're going to resurrect him because, you know, that wasn't fair. That's not the, that's not the story. Jesus came into the world to show us what it means to be a human being. He was everything that Adam failed to be. He's everything that Israel failed to live up to. He was the fulfillment of all of the law. Which is not that he obeyed all the rules, although he did. It was that he lived up to the way of God. And he's ours. In him, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so, my charge to you, my command to you, is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all the rest will take care of itself. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful that in your Son you have made yourself known to us in a way that we can understand, a way that we can imitate. We are grateful that you have called us to be in covenant with you through the blood of your Son. And Father, we pray that you would grow us in Christ-likeness so that we may be more like you. I pray this in the name of and for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.